The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi, I'm Mark Hill, and this is the segment, The Podcast. I believe in humans' potential, that the ultimate expression of oneself is achievable. And we all have that urge, that need to progress and become better. And I feel that the trail can help us do that. Whether it's overcoming fears, learning from mistakes, taking calculated trail risks, or building those long lasting friendships. It's all progression. Join me as I speak with folks who are moving from the ordinary to the extraordinary, and let's catch them on their journey towards the KOM of their life. Welcome to the segment. Let's go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, senders, welcome back to the episode. This is episode 116 with Vanessa Hare from Mountain Riders Collective. Hope you guys enjoy this as we talk about what that platform is and how it's going to help us in the MTB community. Also, we get some tips towards the end of the show from Vanessa on some techniques around cornering, drops, and jumps. Hope you guys enjoy this episode with Vanessa Hare. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the segment podcast. It is uh, Mark Hill, the segment, alongside of Mr. Joey Yates. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was good. Do that again, Joey. Joey Yates. It's good to be back. (laughs) It's good to see you, my brother. If you guys are uh, frequent to the show, you'll notice that Joey has a new background. Joey, tell us a little bit about what that new background is. What's going on? Ah, I I moved, a, a big move, about two miles from my old house. So I'm in transition right now and uh, have to build a new studio. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's good. That's good. And how's it feeling in the new in the new pad? You are. Uh, some people buy houses with ocean views. Some people buy homes with mountain views. And Joey, my man, you have a view of some sick mountain bike trail views. Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky and fortunate. I have a little tiny view of the ocean, but I have trail view. I can just yes. roll right out of the backyard in the morning and hop on the trails. Not not Damn. the best trails in the world, but they're trails. <laughs> Heck yeah. Some of them are secret trails too, so shh. Yeah. Yeah. Don't jump on a podcast and let people know. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man, it's good to see you, my brother. We've got a great one tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the founder of 
Mountain Writers Collective. It's Miss Vanessa Hare. She's going to jump on. She's all the way out in Canada, and uh, she's going to let us know a little bit more about what that website is, what the organization is, uh, what the movement behind that whole uh, thing is. So it's going to be awesome. They're doing awesome things out there. Uh, before we get the show too far, always love to recognize the Whole Shot Award. Joey, what do you think? Should we give out a Whole Shot Award? Yeah, definitely. This one, one yeah, this one actually came on like right on time. There have been some people, the show starts at 6 p.m. There have been some people that have dialed on for the Whole Shot Award at 2 p.m. <laughs> I'll try that next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But tonight comes in from uh, the Lake Tahoe area. In fact, the Trail Pimp goes, oh, the Trail Pimp Award, the, the Whole Shot Award goes out to Trail Pimp. He's <laughs> the trail pimp award. It, let's yeah. rename it to the Trail Pimp Award. <laughs> the Trail Pimp Award. He's uh, chiming in from, uh, he says, hello from Rubicon Pizza at North Star. Bye, y'all. Wow. Must be nice. Dude, North Star. I've been seeing some great folks out at North Star. I think uh, I, I think Seabass was just out that way. Uh, I think I saw footage of uh, Bree Azeltine out that way having a good time. So, man, parks are open. I never thought we'd have an open park again. I thought they'd be snow 24-7, 365. <laughs> I saw some really sad news from coming out of Tahoe today, though. I was kind of bummed about that. Um, people were no. posting aftermath of 4th of July, and they say it's like that every year, and people don't know how to carry their trash out of there. It's kind of oh, a bummer. I did. Oh, dude, I did see that post. That was like boxes and beer cans. Yeah, and all over the yeah that's disappointing. Damn, I know. That's That stinks. That's I thought you were going to say something like fires. Um, yeah, but, no, not not that bad, but yeah. Ooh, yeah, people being idiots, <laughs> especially for a beautiful place like that, man. Like, yeah, I mean, like, you go there for the beauty, and then you just leave it a mess. It's not, it's not cool. No, definitely not. Definitely, definitely not. Um, so if you're out in Lake Tahoe, pick up your trash, people. <laughs> I don't think it's the locals. But <laughs> right, it sounds like people coming up to party, and then. Although yeah. potentially they were still the post that I saw was early in the morning. Potentially there were still yeah. people there passed out. Um, yes. I did see chairs and hoodies and beer. Possible TP. Bottles. <laughs> <laughs> Possible TP. I just want to shoot. <laughs> right and dirty saying, you need to make some whole shot rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. We do. We do have to set the boundaries for that. But tonight, as long as the show is on whole shot award could be handed out so that'll be good um joey let's say hi to some of the folks in the audience obviously we just saw riding dirty out of arizona what's up brother good to see you congratulations on your video the latest video called the stoke that turned out really good uh geez what was it preceded by the one before that that was on fire the that jump. one blew up and yes jump. yeah, yeah. I don't even know where it's at. It's in the bajillions of views right now. Right. Um, I think Eric is actually tuning in from his yacht now out in the middle of the Mediterranean. So must be nice. Wow, it's crazy. <laughs> he hits that little tiny jump and it just goes viral. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, shots fired. Shots fired, Joey Yates. <laughs> yeah, that's all GoPro effect. Welcome aboard, everybody. Uh, Cheryl Pimps in the audience. We got Women's MTV Network. She was yeah, saying, where is everyone? 
Yeah. A little bit of a later start tonight, but we got it. We got it figured out. We got <laughs> Vanessa dialed in from Canada. Um, we have Life of Riley. What's up, guys? Can't wait to see you next weekend. Yes, next weekend oh, for the folks yes. who don't know is going to be insane. Uh, Ride and Shine on July 15th uh, at Sky Park. Come on up if you're thinking about wanting to go somewhere and be around a ton of great people. Uh, we're going to be riding at Sky Park with your favorite content creators and crews. We have a ton of folks that have RSVP'd that are going to be there. 10% of the door fees are actually going to an organization called Making Spirits Bright. And what that organization does is it helps get kids out on the trails and some of them out in nature for the first time if they're coming from the inner city. So a portion of the fees are going for that. At one o'clock, we're gonna have inspirational stories of hope to help end the stigma around mental health and just being together as a community. We've got great speakers uh, that are lined up to deliver that. I'll be moderating to help that. Joey Yates will be on the trails with cameras, uh, taking a lot of content. It's gonna be an epic time. So I hope to see you guys there July 15th. Joey, what are you looking for most towards that on that day? Oh, just seeing everybody and riding with everybody. It's just a blast to be up there and all share the same stoke out on the trail. It's so fun. The biggest question though, at the end, are you going to save some of the toffee crunch cookies from the bakery for, for the oh, rest no. of us? No, no. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah. If you don't get there before me, they might be out. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. That is I awesome. I one with Eric's daughter last time and she had this big, like I set it down on the table and her eyes went. <laughs> yes i love it i love it uh we got mtv cast speaking of folks 100 subs on says hello right and dirty is saying that that video ended up eclipsing 72k holy guacamole holy wow. smokes that's amazing that's amazing so and there's vanessa our guest right there she's backstage uh we don't have her on video this time we have her on audio but uh what do you say joey let's bring miss vanessa on for the podcast and let's learn a little bit about this mountain riders collective <laughs> vanessa are you there i am yes mm. we have vanessa here on the show ladies and gentlemen hello everyone i'm super stoked to be on yes yes we're, we're stoked to have you and this new venture of yours this Mountain Riders Collective, and I, I remember it just changed over. It used to be like uh, mountain coaching, or there was, a, there was a coaching thing, but now you've kind of opened it up. Tell us a little bit about what Mountain Riders Collective is. Sure, I'd love to. So to bring it back, originally, you're right, it was Mountain Coaches Collective. And through analysis and data, I was like, you know what? Coaches are riders as well, and everyone can be a rider, and everyone can be a coach. So I wanted to make it more inclusive, so Mountain Riders Collective was born that way, and it was just this year. So it was a pretty cool transition for us, and people really received it well, and the wheels have been turning, so we're making progress with that new name. That's very cool. And I hopped on the website here recently just to look at it. And, and I love how inclusive it is. Um, it's a community of mountain bike riders, whether you're a coach or a rider, 
where you can grow your skills and share your experiences. And it looks like you have some epic content up already. Um, and how far is the reach on the Mountain Riders Collective? Are, are you aiming to be national or global? So, great question. So my ultimate goal would be to go global. Yeah. And the reason why I want to go global is because all in different countries, people have different perspectives of riding, different skills, techniques. And I think to grow our own skill and development, I think gathering other people's ideas and hearing their stories just makes us a whole person. Love so that's why going global is my dream. I love it. I love it. And just looking at these pictures here on this first tab, I believe the person that I see bombing down the steep right here, it looks like the red dirt. That's got to be Sedona. Is that Mia from Women's MTV Network there? You sure got it. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell the style. Oh, she even chimed, chimed in. That's me. <laughs> There's me. <laughs> nice. Oh, that that is cool. I, I know Mia is... Uh, She's also global with Women's MTB Network. Um, and you have an adaptive writer here as well, I see. Um, just all different yeah. types. Freestyle, looks like DH. Um, for, the, for the portion of the website that's starting up, do you already have coaches and writers that are on board? Or is this like just now building out? is um, bringing in coaches who want or riders that want to be mentored. So what we're looking for is people that want to get paid to mentor someone who is interested in riding, want to progress in their skills, or just need the person to chat about, hey, I'm having like an off day with riding or I'm having a really awesome day of riding and let me tell you my story. So having this platform and someone to talk to and mentor through That's very cool. And for people that are looking for a place like this, a platform like this, uh, is the best way to jump on the website at Mountain Riders Collective? Um, I, I went ahead and filled in my name and email. And then I think there's a section where you can check which content is specifically to you. Is that the best way to do it or reach out to you on Instagram? Cool. Very cool. I see that there are people that are already, uh, you know, putting up great comments uh, here. I read one here from Samantha L. Samantha says, my coaching session with Vanessa was very helpful for building my bike to my body connection. I learned a lot all about the skills, but also about my bike and how to take care of it properly. I had a blast reviewing videos and building on my skills. If you're looking for a bike coach that will help you build on your skills and have fun while doing it, I recommending reaching out to Vanessa, signed Samantha L. Dang, that is cool. So how long, I, I see right here, the team, how long have you been a coach? So I have been a coach since 2015. Uh -huh. And that was like where my passion started. And before that, I used to downhill race. And so in 2019, I then got certified with my CMBIA Level 1. 
And then this is last year, I got certified with my two, so I specialize in drop and jump. And then I also teach kids. So I got my certification in how to teach kids mountain biking. So I've, I've gone full circle, and I'm still striving to up my credentials and level up so I can be better of a rider and teacher and be better for other people around the world. Oh, wow. That is awesome. That is a lot of certificates. I'm looking at these, Joey, some of these acronyms, I don't, I don't know yet. Do you know what a lot of these certificates, I mean, I've heard of the certifications, but I couldn't tell you what these, what these stand for. Joey, do you know? No, I'm not familiar with them either. Uh, like a fun little game? Yes. <laughs> let's do it. What, what, what does it stand for? What one are you looking at? One? Yeah, I'm looking at the BACC, and I know other coaches right now are, are turning in their seat, like, come on, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I can give you a hint. Do you want a hint? Yeah, give me a hint. What's the hint? Okay, it's a degree from a university. Okay, a bachelor's in a bachelor's of arts okay. in... Ooh, what's the CC part? Cycling? <laughs> Joey, you, you want to give it a shot? <laughs> I'm over here cheating. <laughs> I'm trying oh, to Joe's looking out. it up. What is it, Joe? What does it say? <laughs> oh, what does it say? What does it say? <laughs> oh, let me open it. both tabs. Bummer. He, he lost it. Yes. Okay, the Bachelor of Arts in Corporate Communication. Okay, got it, got it. Okay, gotcha. I just was figuring that was going to be mountain biking specific, but now the next ones, the next certifications are, right? PMBIA level two. What, what does oh. that one stand for? Gotcha. So that is a global certification for mountain bikers to get your coaching. Okay, got it. I think we have a friend, uh, Joey Air Blair, I believe got his PMBIA level one recently because he coaches the Laguna Beach mountain bike team. So there, that's got to be that one. How? Yeah, I believe yeah. he did that in Sedona, correct? I think so. Got it. And then the PM, PMBIA, that's the same thing, but for, for kids specific? Yeah, that's right. Okay. And then the co-active leadership coach. What? Which one? Yeah, this, what? One, this one's really cool. So um, a few years ago, up until last year, I actually worked for Lululemon. And I was able and had the honor to be a part of their leadership coaching team. So um, it was a year-long program, and so we learned how to mentor, how to coach others, how to journey through other people's lives, help support them through whatever they needed to talk about. And it was the spark, actually, that helped create this Mountain Riders Collective platform for mountain bikers. Oh, cool. So that was that specification. 
oh, that's cool. That's very cool. And then I see you have first aid training, which is always uh, very, very helpful. 40 hours of wilderness first aid training, no less. What's the difference between the regular first aid training and, and 40 hours of wilderness training? So from what I know is the like the standard first aid is usually one or two day course, which I also have, but then the 40 hours is a bit more with back end training and we actually go into the forest and learn how to different like tree trunks, branches, um, within the forest to help support injured riders or hikers. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. So it's, yeah, it's a really creative way to help rescue people when they're in the forest. And it's used when someone is 25 kilometers away from, like, urban settings. Got it. So how to how to use, a, use the, the nature to, like, make a splint or hold C-spine or something to just uh, stabilize the, the rider to get him out of there and get help. That's pretty cool. That sounds like some MacGyver stuff. I might want to take that class. <laughs> Can you use it for the bike too, if the bike gets injured? Oh yeah. <laughs> now it says here, um, now this is the stuff like your, your pedigree in racing. It says two time Al Alberta DH champion. Holy cow. What, uh, what races were those, and, and at what uh, location was that? So the first one was in, well, they were both in Alberta. The first one was at Canada Olympic Park. Okay. And that is, people call it wind sport now. So the Olympics were there actually in 88 for a fun fact. So that was the first one, and then the other um, provincial British downhill championship was in uh, Blairmore in Crowsnet Pass in Alberta. Got it. Very cool. Now, is it going from a, a racer mentality into coaching? Does that tend to translate? Like, if you're a great writer, you're automatically a great coach, or or no? Here's why. <laughs> so as a coach, a huge part of coaching is the aspect of refining your teaching. Because there's like a ton of great riders and the most common thing is, oh, you just gotta do that. And they are just natural athletes. They flow, they process information really well. But when it comes to the teaching part, we have to break it down and simplify things. And sometimes the art of doing that takes time and practice and hours on the bike and things communicating that with others. So there's definitely a difference and it's a refinement of speech and art, just like a teacher would in like a junior high class or a high school, the compare like that. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. That makes sense. I always wondered that from a racer's mentality, if, uh, if that was the case, but yeah, it's two different worlds. Um, but the good news is, is as a, as a racer and you can get those skills for teaching, like you've been there, you know, you can really help people out when you see things that, uh, need to be tuned up or, or taught. So 
always think that's cool to, sure. to see that on there. And then you have AFA Best Downhill Female Athlete Award. Um, I definitely didn't want to sleep on that because that's uh, I, I I don't know what AFA stands for, but I God, that's got to be a hard thing to get. That's not they don't hand that out to everybody. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Um, that is the Alberta Free Ride Award, and it was, oh man, it was a really cool award to accept. Um, I had, like, amazing, because I was racing at that time as well, and I had amazing mentors and coaches um, with me, and they saw something in me, and they really pushed and strengthened me, and so through my level of athleticism and I really also involved myself with the community so I actually built a nonprofit called Pedaling for Change in Kids wow. and so I would raise money to help bring kids to the mountains and raise money to purchase bikes and helmets and accessories so oh, cool. a lot of my work off the bike kind of played into that award as well. Wow, that's cool. That's cool. What a what a prestigious award to get. You know, it's like a well-rounded award. It's not just about ripping ripping laps. It's about kind of a, a all around. That's pretty cool. So you were a DH racer, um, and now you're doing this. But where did this all start? Where did the love for the bike start? Was it as a kid in college, as a teenager? Um, where did where did you get bit by the bug? Two years old, I went on my bike and I pretty much was starting on a two wheeler. And uh, I was actually telling Mia this a few weeks ago. I was like, my parents put me in their undeveloped basement uh-huh. and I literally rode around in circles all day on my bike. <laughs> no way. And I just didn't stop. So they're like, well, I think she found her love. <laughs> They were like, yes, yes. So two years old on a bike, and you just loved it ever since? Yeah, and then, you know what, actually, a memory just popped into my head as we're chatting. Um, so I grew up also in Canmore, Alberta, uh-huh. and we had a, I had a neighbor. We were about 10 years old, and she wanted to learn how to ride a two-wheeler and get off her training wheels. But she was too afraid, and so I went outside, and I coached her to eventually get off her training wheel, and eventually I just pushed her down the hill, and I said, go for it. <laughs> and and she did good? No no crashing? <laughs> no crashing, and now she's living in a mountain town um, in Alberta, and she is downhill riding all the time, so it's been pretty cool to see her progression. That's cool. That's cool. Literally, you were there from day one. That do you now? Do you remember? Okay, so you're age two. You're in the basement doing laps down there. Um, great space because you can ride there 365, right, all all year long. And do you remember the first really really nice bike that you got? remember that hardtail the the Kona hardtail that was your first bike the first one yeah the first one 
what uh what colorway was it and um what did your friends how old were you and what did your friends think when you first pulled it out it was a dark forest green sick and my and my friends i was in grade seven and my friends rolled up and they said you're such a poser (laughs) 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 what great friends (laughs) they must have been jelly Nice. Oh, so you were kind of like one of the the girls, one of the, were you one of the fewer girls in the group or one of the only girls in, in that, in that friend's group as a kid in the neighborhood? I, I was the only girl. Oh, the only girl comes out to the squad with a nicer bike than all the other boys. <laughs> that must have been fuel for you. How long did it take you to show those guys up? Well, they were gracious enough to send me over to COP and kind of test the ropes of what tried the downhill course. And uh. I kind of just went to the seat of my pants and followed them and kept up. And, you know, I definitely had a few crashes and didn't think I was going to make it through some of the season, but I say was like obviously you're loving the sport um what was some of the tricky things that you had to overcome um as a female in the in the mountain bike world at that time i think the trickiest part navigating that at that time was being seen and understanding that others of like i do matter i am a good rider i keep up with the guys i have results and i was really saying and being seen was really important, but it was almost a little bit clouded because it was such I, I, like a cluster of, of male dominated um, in a sport. And so I think that was the hardest part, but really showing up and being present all the time and bringing the value of, okay, like where's another girl on the trail? And I would literally try to seek out another girl and just ride up to her and be like, hey, you want to go ride? And so that also broke the shell of I'm not the only girl here. There's other people that matter too. Right. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, that had to have been, I can imagine that would have been a tough time, you know, trying to enjoy the sport that you love, but having it be to the point where you don't feel like you're being seen and it's dominated by by the males. Was there a turning point that you can remember when things started to change for you or the oh, sport? That's a great question. Um, I really, it was probably in the last like seven years when I invested my time more in coaching and opened up my eyes to, okay, like who are the demographics? Where, like, who and where am I coaching? And so, 
that gave me a different lens and provided me an opportunity of like, oh my goodness, there's a ton of other women riding and it is so awesome. <laughs> so I, I changed my lens of perspective because in the racing world, it was still quite small, but outside of that racing life, there was actually a bigger community of women that I never originally saw. So, so tunnel vision in my racing and with my team. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Do you, I, I feel like today, at least today, um, I see a lot of women on the trails today, which is so cool to see and not, you know, not just women, but kids and, and then older adults, you know, just so many people that are out there. Um, do you feel like from the time that you started noticing more women out there on the trails on mountain bikes that, um, would you say women is, is one of the biggest, fastest growing demographics of riders out there? From my vision? Yeah. I would say yes. I would say yes. Like numbers and hard data, I'm not too sure. I would be actually really curious to see what that would be. Um, but I know, I think it's really growing just from, coaching perspective with all these like different female groups, female initiatives, and being more pleasant and like leveling out the playing board with racing and the money that you win, like it, it's evening out, which is really nice to see. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I noticed that too. Uh, Joey and I were, as an example, we went to Sedona for the Sedona Mountain Bike Festival and it was pretty darn close to 50, 50, you know, as far as like females to, to males out there. And then, uh, Mia DePaulo from women's MTV network and Jess Hanna had a group ride. I think that was on Sunday. And that was a very large group of women out there having a, having a blast. I mean, we were in the same area as them. We were having a hard time finding where they were, but we could hear their stoke from afar. <laughs> Remember that Joey? Yes. yes. Yeah, they're having the best time and and it's so and it's so cool to see that happening and and i just love our mountain bike community because of all that and then recently i went to bentonville for the bentonville bike fest and man that was also a good sample of the demographics there were men there were women there were kids there were grandmas and grandpas all on bikes and these bikes today are are not the little cheapy bikes. <laughs> you can, everyone's got bikes that cost more than a golf cart. Now it's insane. <laughs> but um, I feel like the sport is going in, in, in a great direction and with great people uh, such as yourself, you know, with uh, the coaching that you're doing for people. So I just wanted to say hats off to everything that you're doing on it. Do you feel like this will be, definitely the next chapter of your life is in in the coaching and this website or do you have plans outside of that in the sport no this is i, I really found my niche and bringing communities together inspiring and supporting other riders i've always been drawn back to biking, no matter what part of my life what stage in my life it's always been vanessa loves that bike and so Heck, if this could be my full-time gift, I'd love that. Yeah, right. That's, and 
we're talking a little bit too, um, Joe and I, at the beginning of the show, we're talking about one of the events that we're having uh, for the Mountain Bike community is called Ride and Shine, and it's geared towards mental health. And I'm just curious for you as a coach and, and literally been riding since you were a kid at, at age two, do you find that um, mountain biking really helps out with the whole uh, mental aspect of a person? I truly really believe, like, for me, it's my escape. And with different riding, um, terrain, and, like, enduro or downhill, it just gets me out of my head. Yeah. And I really love that. And my husband, he's a psychotherapist. So I've actually, I'm trying to convince him to come out on a group ride and do a, a pilot project of what would it look like if, we, if he did a, a therapy session on top of a mountain as we were riding, like what would people react to? Wow. <laughs> wow. That would be cool. What did he say to that? Well, he was like, let me get my credential, my last credential. And I was like, okay, fine. So I have yeah. two more weeks. Nice. That's interesting because I feel like when you're riding, whatever is ailing you mentally and Joey definitely chime in if you, if you think this too, but I feel like it's almost you're in this meditative space when you're riding, you're either climbing and you're like, this sucks. I got to get to the top or, but I know I'm getting a workout and you're kind of zoned in, right? You're fixed in as to the, the goal, which is getting to the top so you can have fun. And then when you're on the downhill, it's literally nothing about bills, nothing about stress, nothing about, Oh, I lost my truck and the dog died and all that stuff. It's about watch that rock. Is this the right line? This is so fun. Oh, my friend almost ate it, but they're still alive and we're having a blast. Like the whole time your brain just has a chance to be in the moment. So, uh, man, I'd be curious to see what would happen if, if they did a session out there on the mountain. Yeah. I, I love the pilot project because I like one of the, um, guys that I connected with when I took my level two course in Hamlet in British Columbia, he started a nonprofit um, bike organization for soldiers, and their their healing is on mountain bikes, and it saved tons of lives that he's personally witnessed. Um, so it's, it's a healing method for sure, which is so awesome. Yeah. What does he say? Um, is the, the healing part of the, or have you had a chance to talk to him a, a little more in depth about what he feels like could be the healing part of the mountain bike? I, I haven't talked too much in depth with Kenny, who's the founder, but I would be more than happy to connect the three of us and see where he can use his experts and skills and development, because he's also a, a mountain bike coach, um, to pick his brain because he's been like, in the trenches with, with this and he's, he's living in the States actually in Oregon. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's, it's so cool how you get a bike as a kid. And for a lot of us, the, the bike kind of goes away as you become an adult and start to pay bills and buy a home and a car and office space and going to work. But for the, for the, those of us who are lucky enough to get the bike back as an adult, I feel like it brings back that inner kid and it just makes life a lot more fun. 
even I was riding a few days ago uh, with a few of my buddies, the formal crew. There are an awesome group of riders in Calgary, and we were doing a stunt trail, and I was feeling like a kid, you know, doing little whips, and it was like, okay, there's, we have all this freedom in the world, and it was literally living in the moment, in like a bright blue sky, good day, and uh, after. Oh, oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> that sounds awesome. What? Um, Vanessa, let's talk a little bit about, uh, bike builds real quick. We're talking about having fun on the bike and, um, what are you currently on right now? Okay. So I have two bikes right now that I'm riding. Spoken so like a true, sp spoken like a, a true mountain biker. The most mountain bikes I've had was five. Five? Five. Oh, and, oh. Uh, yeah. and I was like, well, I do want to be a homeowner and this and that, you know, and then I was like, okay, I'll, I'll decrease my, my number five. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's not to say it's going to last forever. Right, right. It, it, I mean, downhill bike, enduro bike, trail bike, XC bike, dirt jumper, that's five already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> e bike, Joyce e bike. That's now we're in six. I mean, those are all those are all things you literally can't have for sure. Might as well jump on a gravel bike. <laughs> gravel bike. Now we're in the seven. Unicycle. <laughs> Unicycle. We're at eight. Nice. We're at eight. Um, man, right? Road bike nine. What's that? Tricycle. A tricycle. We're at ten. You can literally have a museum of bikes in your garage that you're riding in rotation that's so fun that's crazy but sorry uh so you 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 have two bikes now but you had five at one time so proud of you this is awesome <laughs> i love it <laughs> but the the two that you're putting in rotation right now um are so it's track remedy 9.8 okay Is that on your IG, Vanessa? Can we see it there on the Instagram? Is, is there a picture of it? Probably it's in my videos, but you know what? I will tomorrow. My promise to you all is to post uh, my bikes and what they look like and talk to or chat about what my bikes, what I love about them, what they do. Yeah. I'll do that for you guys. Joey's pulling up one now. There's, there's one that's that light blue color. Oh, is that it right there with the orange forks? Oh, no. My, my remedy is a 2020. Uh -huh. Oh, so that's my that's my friend. Um, she was riding for business. Dang, nice. Nice. Oh, Joey pulled up one. Looks like a race bike. You got some gummy worms on it. Oh, you know what? Okay, so that's my other bike. That's my flat. That's my trek flash eight. Sweet. So if Smart Sweet ever wants to sponsor me, because I eat their candies like I drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that is awesome. Now, 
when we were backstage, Joey was literally talking about the those gummy worms. And uh, you had that on the Trek Slash. Now, what's the trick behind that? Is that like a little sugar boost or or, or was that just a, yeah. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> so if, if you don't mind a little dirt, then I would recommend doing that. It's pretty fun. And it's a good conversation starter. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so I like, like the gummy, I stick it on my top tube, and then if I'm feeling bored or need a distraction or feeling a little bit hungry, I need an energy boost, like you said. I just snatch one up instead of going behind in my pack, and it's convenient and easy, and it's delicious. That is very cool. Is that Do you do that for race days, or is that just for an any old time to ride? Any old time. Dang, I had never thought of that. Joey, do you do that for race days? Uh, yeah, when I was doing the XE races, I would put my fuel, the little gummies right there, three or four of them, just lick it and stick it right there. And it did, it was a good conversation piece. Everybody thinks you're nuts. They think it's dirty and blah, 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 but it, it's totally fine. Like, <laughs> it's a nice right? clean spot to put your gummies. Yeah. Better yeah. than your pocket. <laughs> right? You don't have to pull over, unzip your pocket, yeah, lose the whole pouch. Eat it. That's perfect. That's clever. That is clever. What other what other quick tricks do you guys have? <laughs> well, I have a really fun like coaching technique that I like to do that I just had a ha ha moment of. Yes, please, please share. So for like front wheel lift to integrate into drops or jumps, I would like to build heights. And sometimes logs can be you know, it can be hard to find sometimes or like the depth of it. Or sometimes it can be intimidating. So I bought these silicone muffin containers and I stack them. And if you hit them, no one gets hurt. But if you clear them, everyone cheers. So it's a pretty nifty, like, funny speaking tool that I carry in my back pocket. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's clever. And that way they can learn technique at a low risk. That's very, very cool. What would you say yeah. as far as coaching, or actually going back to the, the two bike builds, so they both are track is what it sounded like. Um, are, did you, are they pretty much stock or did you upgrade any of the components on the bike or, or running it as is? They're pretty, they're stock except my pedals and new tires. Got I it. Keep them pretty are you do you ride for trek is that one of the companies that supports you what from your racing days um no but i i used to work for trek so it was uh it was a nice gig to have um when i got my mountain bike but when i used to race i was actually um da vinci helped out with uh, supplying bikes when i was racing got it very cool very cool. So you got the two Trek bikes, um, and tire wise, you now you're out of Canada. Which 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 part of Canada do you do you ride and live at? Um, so I'm in the west, like BC, Squamish area, Whistler. Um. So right now I'm more interior. So okay. Rock, shale, a lot of siren. So 
Maui, North Vancouver, riding a little bit because in Kelowna and Nigeria, there's such fine dirt. So I've been finding that like maintain and clean your bike is a lot more frequent than you know riding like super soft, long, fast dirt. Interesting. So you're kind of more deserty, loose then, would you say? Got it. So yeah, that's the kind of terrain that we have here in Southern California, kind of drier, deserty, loose, rocky. We don't have as much of the shale, but we do have a lot of rock. Um, for that, what kind of tires do you do you lean towards for your bikes? So right now I'm testing the Continental Christmas night. Okay. And two things about it. Super grippy, so it's really cool. Um, you get a lot of traction when you're descending. The side effect to that is when you're climbing, I can feel a bit of a leg. Oh, uh, because of the the because of the knobs are are a little more pronounced. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. The continental kryptonite, and so far you're you're happy with the performance. As a coach, would you say, or I have a question for you as a coach, um, when you're descending down the looser kind of shale type of environment, where should your, in your opinion, where should your weight be like more on the front? Cause I used to hear people saying like, man, when it's loose, you got to put your weight more towards that front tire. And then I hear people saying, no, you got to be above the bottom bracket. And now I don't know what to do. <laughs> where, where are your thoughts on it? Well, I would say if there's a trail that has that loose rock that you that you would uh, re-ride like two, three, four times, and the first time ride how you usually would, then the second time ride it with your weight farther back. Third time ride it with your weight more forward, and and, and you would come to a conclusion of like, okay, what position do I feel the most stability? Okay. Because I could tell you something of like the correct answer, but until you, a rider feels it, that's when it really dials in and lost into your brain of, ah, that's what it feels like with being unstable when I'm in X position, and this is what it feels like when I'm in Z position, and I feel super stable and confident. So... Hmm. Long story short, I totally encourage you guys to try that and see where you're sitting. But full note is you always want to be centered over your bike. And a little uh, quote that I like to say is chin over stem, hips over feet. And that will really center you down. And being in that neutral position actually reset the body so if you're feeling a little bit wonky just like pop into like okay when in doubt neutral out and, and pop back into neutral because neutral is actually a safe and a good position to be in um when you're riding very cool so chin over stem chest over feet and that's the neutral position 
in in writing. And then when so here's a, also another question. If I could dive a little deeper into the cornering, sometimes when Joey and I are out on the trails, I'll notice Joey really leaning the bike, but his body is more in that neutral position. But the bike's doing a lot of the movement. And me as a newer rider, I will lean my body a little more into the corners. But man, if something goes wrong, I'm either washing out or if I, if there's another turn in the opposite direction, it's taking me way longer to get back over to get that body weight on the other side. Um, is there a general consensus as to what's a, the best technique for cornering as far as dipping the bike down and not letting your body get too far down or, or, or anything like that? sounds like you pick the you pick that second style of of cornering when the berms have the angulation to it to hold you versus like a yeah. flat turn which you would use the first technique that joey was using yeah i feel like you need a combo yeah that's so really both, so both are good um and then a, a fun fact is so i heard this fun fact where you know when you go around the berm at a high speed or whatever speed you're comfortable with and you rush out and you're like, oh, that was awesome. Yes. Have you ever had that feeling? Yeah, oh yeah, I love that feeling. That keeps you coming yeah. back for more. <laughs> yeah, so apparently um, we have this floating bone in our ear canal and this bone is called the stoke bone. And so when we're going around like a corner for, and when gravity pulls us in and shoots us out, that stoke bone actually 
turns like our endorphins on, which creates that excitement of let's do it again. Is it really? Is it really a bone called the Stoke Bone? Joey's looking it up right now. Oh, I'm getting on the post. I, I'm mind's blown <laughs> right now. I've got a Stoke Bone. <laughs> 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 that's true because it's definitely worth of me. Yes, that Stoke Bone one is activated. It like that's the one that's like, let's do it again. I was supposed to be home an hour ago, but let's do it again. <laughs> This is awesome, Vanessa. I see uh, people are saying great tips. Uh, Don's on the line. Don Turgo saying great tips. Thank you. Uh, Trail Pimp is out there making comments too as well. Um, Trail Monster is actually adding to the bike collection. He says, don't forget the BMX bikes. Busting out the BMX bikes. So now we're at bike 11 <laughs> for fun bikes out there. Um, as far as continuation of tips, and we just talked a bit about cornering and the two styles that you had named there. <laughs> Uncaged as the stoke bone. There is, uh, and I was like, is that real? Um, breaking. Now, it's nothing more embarrassing when I'm in a corner and I am breaking and my brakes are making noise, calling me out on the corner. <laughs> Wait, but. But sometimes I feel like I'm I'm in too hot, and if I don't break, I'm gonna get like I'm gonna get sucked over the top of that that berm. What is what is for the people who are listening, um, who are curious like me? What is actually the best technique going into a corner when you're coming in too hot? Hmm. So the one tip that I would give all of you that are listening is called the two-one-none rule. Two-one-none, okay. Say that sometimes back. Two-one-none, two-one-none, two-one, oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> and so it's always important to figure out your commitment point. Of like, where is my commitment point before going into a section, a feature? The faster you go, the closer is that commitment point is going to creep up to you. So I would say at least like one to two bike lanes so you can stop safely. Okay. But the two one nine rule is so this is what we're gonna do. So we're gonna cover both of our brakes, front and rear. And and when you're approaching the corner, they're going to be on both brakes. Okay. And as you enter in, if you're wanting to go at a speed that you feel comfortable with. And that you can maintain because when you do that, then you're smooth. So as you enter into the berm with two brakes, as you reach the apex of the berm and you kind of feel like your bike wants to move out in front of you, you release the front brake and allow the back brake to drag as you like, and this is where roosting happens too, right? So you like roost around the corner okay. and then as the corner pushes you out since the exit, that's where you release your back brake and to maintain your speed and flow. Interesting. I've been doing it all wrong this whole time. <laughs> Holy cow. So it's okay to go into the corner on the brakes, finding that speed that's comfortable and then hitting at the ape. And then as I'm entering the turn, releasing that front brake, that makes total sense. And as I'm hitting the apex and looking for the exit, I'm releasing the back brake. That makes total sense to That's me. Right. I totally get that. Wow. Yeah. I, 
I don't know yeah. where I came up with this feeling where I felt like I had to like get my speed just right, which I, you know, is really hard to do when you're hauling butt down the mountain and then releasing both brakes at the very entrance of the burn, which never seems to work for me. <laughs> hey, well, next time you're on the berm, I want to get a video footage of it and show you on. Okay. Yeah. And the, and the really cool thing is, with this is one of my um, clients. She she's been working with me for over two years, and she never really mountain biked before, but got into it. And now she lives in North Vancouver, rides the North Shore, and is killing it out there. Like it is incredible to see her progression. Wow! And the the one like dominant thing that she's really learned, and she's actually increased her speed around corners and burns, is the two one men rule because she can like at first, right? It's slow and steady, and as she's felt more controlled and smooth, you naturally will gain more speed. And so you can just release a bit more of your brakes over time. And so that's been a huge win for her um, as a rider and is always excited to start building up her range of going faster. What does it feel like going forward in different scenarios? Yeah, that is very cool. I'm so glad I asked that question, Vanessa, because uh, I my thought process was totally wrong. And uh, I'm excited to try that 2-1. And we're talking 2-1. I'm calculating kind of bike length for that commitment point, right? Is that what the 2-1 nun is? At, at the nun, I'm, I'm in. I'm 100% committed. That's two brakes, two brakes, one well, brake, no uh, brake. Like the nun is having no brakes at that point. Oh, see, there's already the separation. Joey's already pulling ahead of me again and getting <laughs> smaller. <laughs> so coming in with two brakes. And then in, initiating yeah. the turn, letting off the front brake. Now I'm on one, apexing, and then now yeah. I'm none. Two, one. Oh, I can't wait for Sky Park. Got <laughs> it. I know Joey's going to be, he's going to be hitting those flow trails. And, yeah, because and, I'm like you, Mark. I'm always two until I get comfortable and I just let him go. Yeah. 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 But it like, makes sense to hold. It makes more sense. Yes. Yeah, if that back brake is on as I'm cornering, doesn't that naturally push that front tire down for more traction as I'm, and I'm apexing and then I'm letting go and I'm just boosting out of that corner. You can pump out of that even, I bet. Oh yeah. You nailed it on the head. Like because of that rear wheel traction and your when you use your rear brake, you put more weight on it, right? So it's actually going to create more traction and boost you out. Gosh, that's interesting. I love that. Don't tell Joey too much because he's already better than me. Vanessa. Yes, we'll send we'll send footage. And that comes to the next question. With the invention of this whole internet thing that we're on, it used to be I would have to live in the area to be coached by Vanessa Hare, but now I could be anywhere. Do you take people from everywhere or do you prefer to teach in person locally? So I go where the first, where the client is. So, hey, if, you know, someone wants me to coach them down in the state, we can work out a plan and I'll go down and coach. I've done clinics, I've figured groups, um, 
like five, ten hours away from where I live. So I love to travel everywhere and anywhere. And with this cool platform, I can also help teach and mentor online. If that interests people as well. Very cool. Yeah, it's cool to get the 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 information, you know, whether if it's uh, afar online or in person. So it sounds like you can do both depending on the client. And uh, what you just did for us right there when it came to cornering and breaking taught us something from afar. So that wasn't that hard at all. And I'm really, really want to get out there and give it a shot. Um, and I, I can't believe we're already up on an hour, but if I could just have a few more questions with you, if you still have the time, that would be awesome. Yes. Okay. I see Joey. He wants to ask a question too. So I'm going to try to beat him to it <laughs> with, and it's probably just more of a community question with all the different coaching that you have done. What has been the most common question that comes up from writers of all skill levels? The most common question I could see that. And, for sure. and I think, yeah, it's super fun. It's thrilling. It's, a, it's an adrenaline rush. And I think with all of this online, it's, you know, things at the tip of your fingers. Um, there's a lot of amazing writers out there. And I just want to say, like, to all the listeners that, like, be gentle to yourself, um, humble yourself because it takes time. Like, my one friend, I've been coaching for over two years. Like it's taken time to like build up, and and she texted me last night of like, hey, I want to learn jump and drop now. I'm like, okay, let's go and do it. That, so that's probably the most common, yeah, question statement of of my coaching career. And uh, at a high level answer, when when you're teaching a drop, um, what's kind of like a high level answer that can cover a drop that's like three inches high to the drop that's like five feet high. Is there, is there like a technique that would encompass both versions of drops? It's a, that's a really good question. It's a simple but complex answer because drops can be performed at various speeds. So whether you have to clear something that's underneath and you have to analyze it of like, do I need more speed? Do I need more lift? And so it, it's interesting because drop, it looks easier, but it's actually more complex of how you maneuver yourself over the bike and how you adjust the biomechanics. Mm. Whereas um, with jumping, there's like the transition, there's the ramp, there's the lift, there's the, the flat, and then the transition all the way down, right? So right. jumping is very much about singular with multiple movements, but it's always going to be the same, generally speaking, on jumping. But when it comes to drop, there's a lot more that goes around on how you execute a drop. So I actually like to teach jump first more than drop because of that um, complexity. Oh, wow. Interesting. Interesting. That's that's cool. Yeah, you're right. Drops are so different. Some you need more speed that 
frontier is coming down at a certain percentage for each, you know, for each amount of space that you move through the air, the gravity is pulling that front tire down. So yeah, you have to adjust how you're coming off the drop, assess what speed you need. That's uh, yeah, a lot different than, than the technique of the jump being very similar on each one. Now, when it comes to jumping, what is, and, and Joey, do you, if you have questions, please, I no, can see it. No, I'm just, this is great. I'm taking he's, it all in. <laughs> he's soaking, what's going to happen, Vanessa, is Joey's my riding partner, so he's going to soak it all in, and he's going to apply it the next time you ride. I'm going to be like, well, <laughs> damn, Joey, look at you go, bro. <laughs> um, for a rider, I feel like I'm kind of like a beginner to intermediate rider, and when it comes to jumping, I'll have it. No. No? <laughs> no, you surpassed, you surpassed the beginner. Intermediate, advanced. Intermediate, Joey has me in the intermediate advanced level and there will be days when I'm jumping and I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm lifting off. I'm coming off a lip. Perfect. I'm getting a nice pop. I'm rowing the bike into my, into my body. I'm eyeing the landing. I'm anti-rowing it back into the angle of the landing. Everything feels great. and All is well in the world. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, I'll pull off of a lip and I'll end up in this weird space where I'm completely paralyzed. The bike is a little bit crooked and I'm in this dead sailor position and I'm just looking at the ground and going, come on, baby, let's get these tires back on the ground. What in the heck causes the dead sailor? Everything felt the same as it did the last hundred pulls. And then all of a sudden, feels the same. Um, maybe I'm getting a little too comfortable or maybe I'm getting a little too tired. That could be one of the things. Or maybe I'm pulling harder off the lip with one arm versus the other. I, I honestly haven't narrowed it down yet, but it definitely is one of those confidence shattering <laughs> memories when you when you lift off the lip and you're either dead sailored or you're getting blocked and you're like, how, why, what, what happened? Um, but are you getting, yeah. are you getting to the point like something might change mentally that, that changes mm -hmm. the whole thing? Little things make big impacts sometimes. Yeah. And the, the thing to note or remember is from my perspective, I think the, the most important part of a dunk is in the, the ramp or the lip of compressing and exploding and getting really tall. And this was an aha moment for me actually a few months ago because, believe it or not, I'm afraid of heights. Wait, what? <laughs> That's why you were fast on the downhill. You wanted to get down. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs>
restricting that flow. And when you restrict that flow, then that dead sailor can occur or that imbalance can occur because all of your momentum gets sucked in and lost. And that momentum is gone. And then it's survival mode. Oh, interesting. Interesting. And reaching, yeah, and getting tall allows you to get that arch when you like that, like a biker tie. We're like, oh, this feels so good. Right. So you're actually maximizing that arch, and naturally, your front wheel will, you know, drive down and you'll land nice and smoothly. And so when you were dead, that's when that dead sailor happened. Interesting. So it's kind of like your body and the bike are, are going in opposite energy positions when you get into that weird unbalanced mode. You're kind of almost squashed the bike down, but the energy wants to go up and you end up in that weird crooked dead sailor space. Yeah. And and so then what I would do as like a coaching brain and even kind of trail fence has been asking questions about drop. Yes. Um, is scale back. Like it is totally okay and it's healthy and like I applaud those people that want to scale back and be like let's start on a smaller option and regain that confidence back because once you dial that in and you do it a hundred times then once it's consistent comfortable and you're confident you can then progress to the next level so that is my like tip for everyone because that's where actions can happen and I've seen enough of them. And to prevent that, I'm really um, a, a warrior for, you know, um, safety. And how can we reduce that risk management? Yeah, definitely so. And I feel like this last season, I don't know if just because we're getting to know more people in the community or what, what I don't know what it is. I feel like a lot of people have been getting hurt this this last season, which is kind of it's it's a bit scary um yeah what did you say there joey right i was agreeing with you yeah it's a bit scary there's been a lot of injuries this year yeah yeah so um so this will be very helpful these techniques that you're talking to us about vanessa i see trail pimp saying he just gets scared when it comes to the drops that makes total sense uh, especially some of the ones that are, have have funky run-ins or funky runouts. like there's so much to calculate you know, not just the drop alone. And then uh, he's also saying dead sailor, me too. So uh, great, great, yeah. great tips on the, on the drops. If, if we need, it sounds like just back them down a bit, uh, build that confidence up, calculate the speed and the technique, how much to pull, what to look at. Um, do you ever do things for drops where you, you walk up to it, you look at the line, you put like a little pebble or a stick so you know what to hit. Is that also a good Thing, or is that putting more clutter on the trail? <laughs> um, like, uh, can you explain like the pebble to see like how it falls, or what do you mean by that? Oh yeah, so sometimes if I'm looking at a drop for the first time, I'll I'll uh, I'll walk up to the drop and I'll look at what seems to be the right line because if it's bigger, a lot of times on my approach, everything goes blind. You know, I just kind of see the drop, but I don't see what's after it and in which direction to go. So sometimes I'll put like a leaf or something to mark my spot visually. So I know when I'm running up on it, I want to line myself up with that. Um, 
I, I just didn't know if that was helpful or if that's in my brain. <laughs> you know what, that, that's a great way to focus on this is my line of choice. So I, like I use like a pair of gloves, but I don't have my training cones there. You can really use anything um, that works for you as a rider. Like some people that I've written with get distracted by putting optics on the trail, but others love it. So it really is dependent um, on the person when it comes to that. Okay, interesting. I never thought about the gloves. That makes sense. You can run right over those and for sure you're going to go back and pick them up. So yeah. <laughs> you're not leaving anything on, on the trail. That's a great one. And then going back to the jump real quick, when it comes to standing tall and, and coming off the lip, is that it kind of reminds me of when you're pumping on a transition and when you pump going up, you want to stand up and kind of become weightless. And that standing tall um, that you just said, it makes me feel like that's exactly what's going to happen. When you come off the lip, you're standing up tall, you're getting weightless, you're matching the transition and you're allowing that energy to release up in its natural arch position. Yeah, that's a great connecting point that you've made. So um, that would so there's a like passive and active um, control of your bike. So when you're passively pumping up and down on your bike, that will then shift into the the jump of what that could feel like. So that's definitely a really great progression on understanding the jump because if anyone's like done a pump track, there's rollers that you can eventually jump. So it's a nice way to introduce jumps as well. Very cool. Yeah, that's really cool. No, thank you for that. Joey, did you have any questions for Vanessa on the coaching? Not on the coaching, but I'm on the website signing up right now. And it, there's the question, what do you identify with, coach, writer, or both? I'm a writer. I'm not a coach, but I would like to know about coaching and maybe go down that road. So click both. <laughs> oh, I hit my feedback. Okay, I think I got what Joey said. I know I'm working with two different platforms. So, from what you said, Joey, you said that there's three different options: so coach, rider, or both. Yes. Yeah, and he was he was interested in going down the platform of of becoming a coach. So he wasn't sure which one to hit. You know what? Oh. If you want to, if you're becoming a coach, hit the both button. Um, I'd love to help your journey on what it will take to become a coach and connect you with other people in the industry on what that could look like for shadowing. So, yeah, that's both and happy to work with you. There you go, Joey. Hit both. Hit both. He's, he's, well, he's already a better writer than me. Now he's going to be a better teacher than me. Jeez, this, <laughs> this, this whole podcast is working against my ego. <laughs> Hey, we just got um, EMTV Moto Adventures jumping on saying, yo, 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 late to the party because I was out eating sushi for my B-Day. But anyways, what's up, everyone? Bro, happy birthday, EMTV and Moto Adventures. Happy birthday, Slick Rick. We got, we're getting some great information from Vanessa Hare, one of the coaches and the founder of Mountain Riders Collective. 
So uh, thank you for for jumping on there and happy birthday. Vanessa, anything that we didn't cover that you would like to share on the podcast before we let you go? The one thing that I'd love to share is because Mountain Riders Collective is literally a collection of people wanting to do better, ride better. And so if there's someone online that's listening, just like how Joey and yourself have brought me into this podcast, is we also host webinars. So if you want to be a special guest and showcase your expertise or your vision, I would be your host and you'd be a special guest. And so I really want to build up that webinar platform as well. And and what we've been doing is part of the proceeds go to a nonprofit of the special guest choice. Um, so one was like a trail builder society. And, and so that also gets like the crowd going on what they're passionate for. So when I'm on a webinar, let me know. You can message me on Instagram or even the website. And I'd love to set something up for you. That is awesome and great call out there. Uh, go to Mountain Writers Collective and you can send Vanessa a DM there if you want to be on her platform and showcase your skills there as well. Um, man, Vanessa, I love everything that you're doing for, for the mountain bike community. I can't wait to see this platform grow globally like you're going to have it dialed out. Obviously, your knowledge is, is, is so rich and I'm so thankful that you're able to share some of that with us tonight. Um, as far as support goes, anybody that you wanted to highlight that helps support Mountain Writers Collective or you as a writer? Oh, man. Well, a huge shout out to two people. So Amanda, who has been a client of mine, has now come on board as a visual designer. And she has been the art that has created this website um, by my side. So that's been a really part and I always the slogan came to mind of clients it's easier to make friends from clients but it's not always easier to make friends become clients oh I like that, that yeah so Amanda's been a huge part of that and um, we actually started connecting in Ontario when I was there for a few years and then I've been having the pleasure to talk to other people like Trail Builder Magazine. Um, he's, Sean is really passionate about getting the community more involved in what does trail building look like and how can people get and be on board and a part of it and get knowledge on what trail building is because we ride trails all the time. And if it wasn't for riders um, and trail builders, we wouldn't be here. So we've actually connected for him to pop on a webinar to talk about like his expertise of the digital world and how he started Pearl Builder Magazine. And, and then a shout out to Mia. So the Mountain, Woman's Network, Mountain Bike Network, they have been so great in connecting me with other people globally. And we've always had some really cool talks. And so she's also been super inspiring. And, and alongside of that with Jen with um, Shift Human Performance. So they have been a huge support. And if you need to check them out, I would highly encourage it because they are also a wealth of knowledge that I've learned from too. So it's really amazing to be a part of a community that's holistic and that 
kind of takes all different aspects of how to make a mountain biker whole. Love that. I love that. Very cool. Folks, if you're listening in here on YouTube or Instagram, Spotify, or wherever you're picking up this podcast, definitely check out what they're doing at Mountain Riders Collective. Contact Vanessa Hare. We just got a great tip or great tips on our writing level just uh, right now uh, with the 2-1 none into the corners. If you guys miss that part, definitely go back and, and listen to that section. And we touched upon jumping and drops. Um, Vanessa, you're a wealth of knowledge and thank you for everything that you've done for our community and, and are going to continue to do. I can't wait to have you back on the show. We should get you back on and just do like some breakdowns of, of some skills that uh, could help people maybe stay off the IR list, <laughs> including mostly us, right, Joey? <laughs> yes, I want to stay off that list. Yes, we have to have that yeah. list. You know, I I would love that. It is my ultimate passion to help other writers out. And yeah, let me know, and we can do another session on different techniques of writing. And who knows what's going to come out of that? I love it. You have a big group that has your full support out here. They encompass all of California, north and south. They're called the Trail Wolves NTB Community. And the trail wolves are are pretty pretty deep as far as how many people are a part of it. Uh, Don Turgo is saying this was amazing. Thank you for the great info, Vanessa. The trail wolves MTV community have your support fully. So you are you are in good graces with the trail wolves, which is a lot of people, and they are cool too because they do off roading as well as MTB, and I think they're going to open up a fishing division. So all outdoors. Um, I think the last time they had a a off road ride slash with bikes and people, I think those were for three thousand, if I remember right from their story. I mean, that's a lot of it's a lot of folks. Uh, so you've got some great support by the by the trail wolves. Shout out to the trail wolves. Mm, thanks, guys. That is incredible, and I'm excited to be a part of the community too. I couldn't have done it without you. Seriously. Oh uh, no! Thank you for jumping on and. Now that you've taught me the right way to corner, Joey, watch your watch your tail, bro. I'm coming for you, man. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Vanessa, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. Uh, this has been episode 116 with Vanessa Hare, Mountain Riders Collective. Check them out on Instagram and check out their website. Sign up for uh, their newsletter and uh, watch how they grow. Uh, Slick Rick is saying, I love this community. The support and camaraderie is amazing. Thank you all who make it this way. Yeah, cheers to that. Cheers to that. All right, this is uh, this has been episode 116. Thank you all for jumping on the chats. And Vanessa, thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Hey, senders, that is a wrap on episode 116 with Vanessa Hare from Mountain Riders Collective. Hope you guys enjoyed a little bit of the coaching tips that we got into there when it came to drops, jumps, and cornering. I love the 2-1-none rule that she talked about and the two types of techniques going into corners, depending on the angle of those corners and the speed. That was extremely valuable to me, and I hope it finds you well. Also, 
Um, thanks again to the supporters of the segment podcast, helping bring these shows to you. YT Industries. Thank you so much, YT. Live Uncaged. Special thank you going out to Tasco MTB Clothing for Riders by Riders. Thank you so much, Tasco. Also, Spy Optic, whether it's in lifestyle or sport, Spy Optic has you covered as well as covered you in the prescription category as well. Check them out. It's spyoptic.com. SSB Sandsport Brothers, thank you so much for your support and helping keep all the bikes nice and clean. Big thanks going out to Etney's Shoes as well for your support for the podcast. Check out Etney's Shoes and the Michelin soles that they have going on on those shoes. Really appreciate every single one of you guys as always. Um, Thank you so much for tuning into these shows. We're in about 35 new countries now and the show keeps going. So I always appreciate it. Always want to leave you on a high note when it comes to, you know, things in life that come your way. That's going to be every single one of us. There's always going to be some kind of adversity. Make sure that you bet on yourself because you're the only one that can help you get out of it. Whether it's you reaching out to a friend, reaching out for help or just knowing the things that you need to do to get it done, um, bet on yourself because you can do it and all of your hard work will always pay off. Hope to see you guys back here for episode 117 here in the near future or if you see me on the trails, come up and say what's up. I always love to say hello to everybody and we'll see you all back here soon. We'll see you guys at the top.